Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode on the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today, we have a very, very special guest. His name is Doug Baldwin. So Doug Baldwin is a former professional football wide receiver. He's also a husband. He is a father, an entrepreneur, and an investor. He spent his entire eight years with the Seattle Seahawks. He played college football for the Stanford Cardinals and then signed as a Seahawks as an undrafted free agent in 2011. Doug is an all-time leader for team receptions and receiving yards, second in receiving touchdown, and was selected to the Pro Bowl twice and won the Super Bowl over the Denver Broncos in 2013. And more importantly, since Doug's retirement in 2019, Doug has really shown what he's truly capable of. In 2017, Doug helped establish the Players Coalition, which is an NFL-led organization advocating for criminal justice, education, and reform. Doug was also rewarded the Martin Luther King Jr. Medal of Distinguished Service Award in 2018 from King County. He was also a finalist for Muhammad Ali Sports Humanitarian Award. Recently, in February 2023, Doug has won the Paul G. Allen Humanitarian Award by, by the Seattle Sports Commission's 80th Annual Sports Star of the Year Awards. And now... We're happy to say that Doug is being welcomed to the Asian Hall of Fame, right? And Doug is joining some pretty elite company. I looked through the website earlier. Great, great class that they're inaugurating. So more about the Asian Hall of Fame. The Asian Hall of Fame was established in 2004, 2004 to help raise awareness of Asian contribution in the U.S. and the world. Doug, we're going to pass the question on to you. So what does the Asian Hall of Fame mean to you and your many accolades? Yeah, first off, Brian, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, very grateful for this opportunity. Um, and also, you know, want to recognize like this is a very, um, I'm very honored for this privilege. Um, so the Asian Hall of Fame to me, uh, you know, it's commonly regarded as a platform that recognizes and celebrates the achievements and contributions of individuals from Asian descent um, in various fields and all across the world. Um, it serves as a way to honor and remember those accomplishments uh, and also promotes our cultural diversity, inspiring future generations. And when I say future generations, like it hits home for me because, you know, my grandmother, this is, is my Asian descent, right? It's, it comes from my grandmother and um, the impact and the influence that she had on my life, right? So this award, uh, this recognition, while I'm grateful and honored, it really is a representation of her and who she is and what she has taught me as a young man trying to navigate the world. And so for that, you know, to have that recognition and to be able to pass that recognition on to my grandmother, uh, it means a lot to me. It means a great deal. That's amazing. Right. And I mean, shout out to your grand grandmother, right. She definitely raised a really good grandson, definitely influenced you a lot. It definitely shows in the field. I was watching a lot of your interviews earlier. <laughs> you know? You're very, you're a very humble player, right. And very humble person. So I kind of I'm kind of curious too, right? You know, as you're talking about your Asian identity and how it shaped you, I want to focus this interview in three parts. One, talking about what it means to you to be like an Asian American person in America around this time period, 
Secondly, what does it mean when you are representing and being and this is part this podcast is kind of cool because it allows people to, to know that hey, Doug Bowen is part Asian, right? What does that mean for you as a former pro athlete to be represent this Asian descent? And lastly, like, how do you feel about how we can build more for the Asian community moving forward and knowing what you know now? Right. Yeah. So kind of focus on the first part. It's like I want to hear about your 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 thoughts about the Asian identity and Sorry, I'm gonna cut this part out. <laughs> I'm blinking out a bit too. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna retry that question again. I'm just gonna ask a more simple question. So I'm gonna tell my editor to cut this part out. So Doug, so tell me about your pride and knowledge as a as a Asian athlete, especially how your Filipino scent has shaped your identity throughout your entire life and your entire career. Yeah, I mean it goes back to my grandmother again. Like you know, I spent a lot of time with my grandmother when I was younger. And to learn more about her culture and the way that she shows up in the world and the way that she views the world based on the perspective that she had as a Filipino immigrant to this country um, and the experiences she had back in, in her hometown, right? Um, all of those stories, the memories, the lessons that she passed down on to me, those help inform decisions that I've made up to this point in my life, right? And now as a father and as a husband, I'm seeing those, the fruits of those lessons that she taught me, um, I'm applying those now as a father and as a husband, right? Um, and so what it means to me, uh, you know, when zooming out and just in totality, what it means to me to be an Asian American or just to represent Asian Filipino heritage in general, is just that it's a great honor, right? And I don't think when I was younger, when I was playing, I didn't necessarily understand the gravity of that, right? But now again, looking through the lens of my daughter's eyes, I recognize that representation and modeling and just giving an example of what is what we're capable of, um, it it means a lot to a lot of folks. And I see it every day in my children's eyes, my daughter's eyes, right? Like they're growing up with um, the culture and the experience and the understanding that we come from a vast, uh, diverse background and that all of those elements of who we are make us who we are and also inform the decisions that we make and how we show up in the world. And I think it's vitally important that we that I acknowledge that because, again, if we want to be the best versions of ourselves, we have to we have to pull on the strengths of where we come from. Uh, and so being Filipino-American, right, um, it does mean a great deal. And to your question specifically in the sports world, right, there's not a lot of us in the sports world. And so being able to demonstrate and also be, you know, I don't want to say a pioneer, but kind of in some ways a pioneer um, and showing that, you know, we have the same level of tenacity, the same level of grit, the same level of, of ingenuity when it comes to solving problems. And, you know, even in the sports world, um, I just think all of that that representation matters, and it matters a great deal. Yeah, and I really appreciate you bringing all that up, right? About representation, about showing, you know, kids that hey, like we can be pro athletes and that we can compete at the highest level. I think for the longest time, and this is just my opinion, right? I feel like in the field of pro sports, the, the idea of like an Asian athlete has always been judged harshly, right? No matter how athletic a person is, it's like, oh, this person's is really fast for an Asian person or really good for an Asian person. It's always like this really good for, right? And I feel like yeah. nowadays, like 
there are generations going through a different era, a different woke era where it's like, we're actually really prideful to be who we are and acknowledge our descent. Yeah. And knowing what you know, what kind of advice would you have for other Asian athletes who are trying to get into pro sports, right? I know reading through like, like uh, draft reports is quite interesting. It's like, oh, this person is not, it's good hands, good eye coordinations, but doesn't seem like he's moving fast enough, right? And I was reading like Jeremy Lin's ones. I was reading, not not Shohei Otani in some ways, because obviously he's a different generation, but just reading some of these former draft reports from like 2008, 2009, 2010, you can kind of sense like the, not, or well, let's be real, it's like you kind of sense the biases and the discrimination <laughs> in these reports. Yeah. And knowing that that happened not like not, not even a long time ago, right? Like 10 years ago, right? Which is still really recent. And a lot of these, these athletes feel compelled to be, hey, I want to hide my descent and not be proud of it because it's, yeah. it's working against me. What advice do you have for these athletes now? Yeah, I mean, it, you you kind of spoke to it. Like we have a different mindset right now. And I think this era in time, this era in history, we're really viewing each other um, on even playing fields as just human beings on this planet trying to survive and thrive, right? Um, and I think specifically for uh, those of us who identify with Asian descent, like, yeah, there's there's stereotypes, there's biases that, that have you know, always been um, in societal norms to some degree. <clears throat> but don't allow those stereotypes and those thoughts to pigeonhole us and put us in a box, right? At the end of the day, we're still human. We can, like, I, I genuinely believe this, again, through the, the lens of my daughter's eyes, that we can do whatever we put our mind to. Yeah, it's going to take a lot of effort and a lot of work, but, you know, anything worth having is going to be hard to accomplish and hard to acquire. So, uh, you know, it's no different than anything else. And I, I think my advice to anybody who's feeling that way or hearing those things, don't let those comments or that negativity put you in a box. Legitimately, we can do whatever we put our mind to do. To do um, and if we do it collectively, it even takes it even further. So that would be my my take on that, right, is box out the negativity, block out the negativity, focus on the goal at hand and realize that regardless of where you come from, what your background is, none of that stuff matters, but it matters to the degree that you're bringing something unique to the table that you can then apply to whatever goal you're trying to accomplish. And so don't let the negativity box you in in that way. Yeah, I do agree, right? And you're definitely a walking example of that. You, you know, obviously are, I, I feel like you're able to articulate what you feel that's right or wrong very clearly and it shows in 2017 when you help establish the players coalition right and you kind of use that to advocate for criminal justice and education and i kind of want to swing the conversation and talk about your community service side right i feel like you do so much for the community where i want it to be recognized more right i know that you 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 got you got draft you were born in florida and you went to college in norcal and now you're in seattle but not just that, like you established your roots in Seattle, right? You've done so much for the community. I want to talk a little bit more about that too. And I want to start with the Players Coalition. How did that come about? Because I know, uh, actually, I don't know. I assume that in, in professional sports that there is, is a lot of politics involved, right? And to be able to speak up clearly and advocate for something that's so powerful, not a lot of people would, would acknowledge that. Not a lot of people would respect that. So to have the courage to go against speaking, like to speak up and to speak up for what's right, what was the what was the motivation and what was the thought process behind creating all these things you did? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, 
I just think from my childhood experiences, I've always been in situations where I felt like, you know, there was either I wasn't able to advocate for myself or I saw other people that weren't able to advocate for themselves. And then when you see things in our society that, you know, directly they they touch us, maybe not directly, but more maybe indirectly to a higher degree. Right. It's hard for me to sit back and not do anything about it, to not say anything, to not you know, to not like try to find solutions, try to fix problems. Um, it's kind of just in my nature, right? Comes from my grandmother, comes from my father, comes from my my grandfather, my dad, right? My mom, all, my whole family. But you know, when, when I when I think about what you're asking me, I very clearly picture my grandmother and the resiliency that she had. Again, being an, an immigrant to this country, not speaking English when she got here, barely speaking English when she got here, having to figure it all out, right? Raising three kids of her own. Um, taking care of her family, creating a career, like just so many different things that my grandmother did in the face of adversity, in the face of racism, in the face of all this negativity, right? Um, and if it wasn't for folks around her in her community, leaders in our community that then stepped up and advocated for our community's needs, right? I don't know where we would be. And I, I recognize that I had a platform and an opportunity uh, and, and in some ways, because I had that platform and opportunity, I had a responsibility to speak up and to say, you know, what I believe to be true, but also um, from a deep, deep reflection of like what is genuinely true um, and thoughtful and considerate for all. So, you know, it wasn't honestly, it wasn't a hard decision. And but I did recognize in the process, to your point, that there was a lot of politics in play. And so I wanted to be very specific and intentional about the words that I used and how I showed up, because number one, I wanted to be as effective as possible. Right. But two, I wanted to also navigate the politics to where when I was saying something or we were pushing initiatives that we had um, a majority support. Right. Like understanding both. Not I shouldn't say both, but understanding multiple perspectives and multiple sides to the equation, so that we could build a uh, a message, an initiative um, that was serving a lot, you know, more than some people, serving most people. Um, and so, yeah, it wasn't it really wasn't a hard decision. Yeah, I do want to say thank you for doing that. Right, I know I, I could feel your internal values speaking, where it's like you feel like this is the right thing that you should be using your platform to do more. Right. Uh, I feel thank you so much for even considering that. I know a lot of people would be like, "Wow, I, it's yeah, it's an issue, but we kind of just live with that." A lot of people don't question certain things, right? You kind of just accept things for with the way they are. And here, here for you, you're like, "Hey, let's question everything. Let's do it better." And this is not just the only thing you did. You did so much things for the community, right? Especially going down to Renton. So, for you guys who don't know, on the podcast, Renton is a, a suburb community in Seattle. Um, I believe that it's majority, I would say it's majority Vietnamese, <laughs> right? I'm Vietnamese myself down in the particular area. And it's, it's an up and coming area, right? And what I mean by up and coming is that there's a lot of, a lot of, like I would say a lot more income uh, inequality in that particular area. And I want to hear about your, I mean, I want to hear about a, a lot about your, your post career stuff, right? And yeah. when you, finished your career in 2019 and when you had a chance to kind of sit down and rethink about who is Doug Baldwin what is how's my internet I feel like I'm breaking up <laughs> yeah you you're breaking up a little bit I 
Can you repeat the question and then we can go from there? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, you know, back in 2019, when you announced your retirement, I want to hear more about your mindset at the time because I would imagine there's so much going on, right? And yeah. looking back right now, it's easy to connect the dots because everything sort of just makes sense now. And you found your North Star. You found what you want to do in life. You're involved with numerous ventures. Uh, you're a C currently CEO. You're, you're in venture capital. You do a lot of community work, right? I want to hear about the Doug Baldwin in 2019 where you did announce your retirement. And you have to take a deep look at yourself to be like, hey, I'm losing a big part of my identity where I, I spent pretty much my entire life playing football. Right. Yep. And you had to look at yourself deeply and to reinvent yourself. What was going through your mindset at the time when you had to take the harsh look to be like, where is life going to take me? I'm like, what? I'm like, in my early 30s, I have my whole life ahead of me. What was going on in your mind at the time? Man, all of those things. Um, <laughs> yeah, all of those things. It's ironic. Nobody's asked me this question the way that you asked me. And it's making me think. And, and, and obviously, to your point, I have done a lot of unpacking and reflecting on that time. Um, but man, there was so much going through my mind. And I think I, I got to a point where I was like, I, I was at the, the you know, for uh, a lack of a better phrase, and, and you know, I was kind of naked, right? Like, my identity was wrapped around football. And to your point, I had been playing since I was six years old. It's all I had known. It was how I um, evaluated how my day was going, how my weeks were going, my months, my years, right? There was so much of my identity wrapped up in the performance of football that when I no longer had it, when I no longer had this um, this stage to perform, to then be reviewed by you know my teammates, my coaches, myself, fans, to then get the feedback, affirmation, whether I'm doing it right, right or not, um, that was really hard. That was really, really challenging. And it forced me to really think about, you know, who am I in the bigger picture of the world, right? And I also think being in that environment, you know, it, it's not—it's also not healthy to some degree, right? When you are constantly um, being admired or affirmed for a performance rather than just who you are as a human being, um, it gets addicting, right? And so when you don't have that, you start looking for other outlets, you start looking for other uh, sources of that affirmation. And so I went through a really, really challenging time. Uh, my daughter was born shortly after I retired. So it wasn't like, <laughs> I didn't have much time to mourn retirement. Like I had to jump right into fatherhood. So a lot of challenging things at that moment. But I think the crux of it was it forced me or during that time, I was forced to really look in the mirror and ask, who am I? And what is my value and meaning in this world? Right. And so I literally like ask that's that simple question who are you right and i i actually it's over here somewhere but i actually wrote it like i have a journal and i remember specifically like there was a certain page in the journal where i was like like i'm turning the next chapter of my life so that page is blank and then the next page the first question is who are you um and then I just started naming things that I wanted or I believed about myself or I wanted to believe about myself, both good and bad, right? And then started to build a framework of who I wanted to become and things that I wanted to do and wanted to explore um, and started directing my life in that direction. Uh, so yeah, there was a lot of things going on, but uh, it was a very, very, very challenging time, but it was probably one of the most 
impactful, most important times of my life because, you know, it was the pivotal point of me transitioning from a career, an identity with a career, um, and into like, you know, the more well-rounded human being that I'm trying to become. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate you sharing that. Right. And I really, you know, I, I can't thank you enough for, for saying those things because when we look at star athletes, especially as kids, like we think they're superheroes that we had, they had the whole life figured out and that they, their, their mental health is great and their career is great. They know exactly what they're doing, but I really pre- appreciate you sharing that side because it shows that we're all human, right? Yeah. It shows that we're all trying to figure things out and that we are more or less very similar in terms of our, our struggles, our confusions, figuring out what we want to do, right? Yeah, yeah I, I do appreciate that a lot. And I guess to go deeper into that part, right? As you're figuring yourself out, what were some three, like some key pillars that you wanted to become, right? I read online that you kept emphasizing that you want to be a good father, you know, a good husband, and that you're mm-hmm. more than just a former professional wide receiver, right? You want yeah. to become an entrepreneur. And I've seen that you've been planting your roots all along, right? You have always dabbled in tech. You, I saw an article, I, I think like 2000. 16 or something you're like dabbling like microsoft in the area right i feel like a part of yourself compared to other athletes that i had an opportunity to speak to and you know i met marshall lynch in korea super random <laughs> you know? but, but even so i feel like you were just dabbling into various things getting ready for this post like doug right what were some key pillars that you want to focus on during that struggle, during that moment of rediscovery and struggle that you want to reinvent yourself to this person that you are today? Yeah, it's a great question. And I came out, I came out of that time with three core values. Um, and I've, I'm applying this to every facet of my life and I'm refining them every day. Like there's, you know, there's different language that I'm, um, that I'm putting with those, uh, with those core values every day. And I'm actually, I'll read some, I'll read them to you. Um, but the first one is being honest. Um, you know, during that time, to your point, I wanted to be a great husband, a great father, right? But truth be told, like I don't, I didn't even know what that really meant, right? Um, and there was times where, like, I would use, I would use language then that I certainly don't use now. But like, you know, you, language back then was like, I wanted to be a man, right? Like, and like, then I had to ask myself, well, what is a man, <laughs> right? Like. Because I, w- I was coming from a world where there was specific language, there was a specific ideology, e- expectations, I was using language from that world. And then once I got out of that bubble, right, and was in the real world, like, it was very clear that the language I was using, that I was used to, like, m- many people didn't have that that language. They didn't have that dialect. Um, and I then noticed that it wasn't necessarily in alignment with who I wanted to show up in the real, real world. And so I had to be very honest with myself about that. I had to look in the mirror and be very honest. Um, and so honesty to me, it's about a relentless pursuit of finding my best and most authentic authentic self. Um, and when I do so, I'm enhancing my ability to navigate through the world uh, and find genuine joy, right? Like that's, um, that's my goal is to find joy, uh, to experience joy. Uh, and along the way, value number two is I got to be curious and curiosity is just about wonder um, and it's about my eternal quest for learning Uh, I know when I ask uh, I know asking questions is important but I know asking good questions 
is vital, right? And the better questions I ask, the more creativity is sparked, um, the more, uh, you know, information I gather that actually it will either strengthen or challenge my beliefs of what I believe about the world. And it also uncover new possibilities for me. So, you know, honesty, being honest, being curious, like those are, you know, pillars that are values that I try to live my life by every day, right? And every interaction, everything that I'm doing, like be honest about how I'm feeling about this, what I'm thinking about this, despite what the world is trying to tell me to do or to say or to think or to feel. Um, and then continuously being cu curious because I feel like that's a posture of humility. If you feel like you don't have all the answers and you're continuously learning, you're going to strengthen or challenge your belief, but it's going to get you to a better place, right? Um, and then the third value, the most important value to me is being forgiving. Um, you know, you said it earlier, like we're all human, right? And I think our society definitely tries to paint this picture to separate us and divide us. But at the end of the day, we are on a planet that is spinning around the sun, that has an orbit around the sun, that's in this massive solar system, that's in this massive uh, galaxy, that's in this massive universe, right? Like we're a, we are a speck of dust in this beach of the universe. Um, and, or yeah, just we're so small <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. But um, so just knowing that it's like, it's very easy for me to get back to acknowledging that, you know, the, the, the suffering that I experienced, the failure that I experienced, all those things are inevitable, but they're also necessary for sincere progress. Right. And when I have that, that mentality of, you know, forgiving my forgiving others for, you know, the challenges they present to me, but also at times forgiving myself, right? Like I'm, especially when I was playing football, nobody was harder on me than me, right? And so when I step out into the real world, I'm like, you know, trying to be a good father, trying to be a good husband, trying to be a good citizen, and I make mistakes and I fail and I do wrong things sometimes, like I still have to be forgiving to myself. And when I do that, I open up my own capacity to strengthen my endurance to continue to go and push forward. And so um, those three pillars, those three values, I try to live my life by every day. Be honest, be curious, and be forgiving. And I think if I do those things, not saying I have, not saying I will, you know, make all the right decisions or, you know, not saying I'll be successful in whatever lens you define success, but it gives me a chance, right? It's a framework that gives me a chance. And life is hard. And all you can ask for is a chance sometimes. So those are the yeah. values. Yeah, life is hard. And, you know, thank you for sharing all those values. I know you just recently shared them at the Seattle University graduates as well recently. I did. So, <laughs> I mean, definitely appreciate that. It kind of reminds me of Steve Jobs' commencement at Stanford, right? Back in, I believe, 2004. Something very similar. Yeah. Stay foolish, stay hungry. And I love how you added one more element is be forgiving, right? Yeah. You need to be forgiving of yourself. Otherwise, you're always holding on to the past and you can't look forward, right? Yep. You always have to yep. continue to look forward. And I, I want to talk to the next part of the podcast. And because this is an entrepreneur podcast, like talk. I want to like talk about your role as you know founder of vault 88 and well for you guys that don't know vault 88 i believe is a venture capital for venture capital firm vault 89 oh, 89 sorry 89 i'm so sorry ah! <laughs> <laughs> i'm looking at literally the, the nine part i said eight i don't know why um anyways i'm gonna cut the part out so no one can hear it <laughs> oh don't cut it don't cut it it's fun <laughs> oh 
So you guys that don't know, Doug also is the founder of Vault 89, which is his number in the NFL. <laughs> and I believe it's a venture venture capital firm like this human center, right? Yeah. And this yeah. is a clear example of you being able to like focus what you learn in the field into various things. Yeah. I know I read a couple of other articles too uh, a few years ago. You had a mentor that helped you prepare to become CEO of a of a, a tech company, right? Yep. Tell me about those experiences. How did you realize that this is the path you want to go down? Yeah, um, I didn't know that this was the path I wanted to go down. I did recognize that, like, I'm not a um, an individual sport athlete, right? Like, I've been on teams my entire life. So being amongst a team, going out trying to solve a hard problem or accomplish a goal, like, I knew once I left the sport of football that I needed something similar to that, Um and also saw, saw business as an opportunity to write, to like really make change, to be very thoughtful, be creative. Like I'm a naturally creative person. And so um, I, like, I love playing with Legos still to this day. I, I was, you know, Lego fanatic when I was a child, still a Lego fanatic. Um, all right. I'm going to nerd. I'm just going to nerd out here real quick for you. Okay. I just built this ship. Can you see this? Yeah. I love it. Okay. I'm this, this is, this is my nerd side. <laughs> I just built this. Um, I completed it, I should say, about a week ago. And it took me, you know, it's very detailed. Um, took me several months to build it. Um, but I look at something like this, and this is very similar. You know, Legos is, is uh, business is very similar to Legos in my mind, right? When you're building something, you, you got to get very specific pieces that then make the whatever structure you're building stronger or more aesthetically pleasing or more thoughtful or, you know, whatever it may be. Right. Um, but then there's the aspect of the the human connection, the team part of this. So I really, really enjoy building teams, putting teams together, building a culture um, and then setting them off to go do whatever it is that they do. Um, and so I've been very fortunate and very blessed to, to, you know, bring together a very strong team, like-minded individuals with with um, the this, this similar moral values and, you know, the way that we that we think about the world and think about problems. Um, and then we just came together to form Vault 89, which is basically a social impact investment firm. And we do a wide range of things. Like, you know, we're leading a statewide campaign uh, right now to get volunteers back to food banks. Um, we're trying to do a pilot with uh, a local city to get um, food that would otherwise be thrown away from grocery stores, get that delivered to um, to food banks and other organizations that can use that food, but doing it in a way that is impactful for the folks who will actually eat it. So, you know, side tangent here, there's still a lot of food that's that's thrown away, even when it gets delivered to food banks, because the logistics of this, of the system, and sorry, there's a lot of problems with the food security system, right? But those are some of the things that we like to look into and try to find solutions to. Um, we're, you know, we're starting here locally. I have aspirations to be, you know, national and then global at some point. I've, I've, I've spoken to my team. I said, like, you know, we're gonna establish our, 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 uh, our business here in the state of Washington. The next stop is to go back to my home state of Florida, do some work there, and then if we're successful and God willing, if we're able to do it, I want to jump to the Philippines and do some work in the Philippines, right? So, um, it's really just a creative vehicle for us to do good. That's essentially what it is. Uh, it, you know, it could get way more complicated than that. And I can throw a whole bunch of words at you, but the simplest form is just, it's a vehicle for us to do creative good. 
thank you for for doing that. Um, well, I actually had no idea about this this detail of what you focus on with with Vault eighty nine, right? And it's it's amazing to me how this is very like humanitarian. Like this is very human. This is not just like I'm gonna start my own venture capital firm so I can get filthy rich and invest onto all these tech companies. <laughs> it's no. like wow, this is this is amazing, right? Everything that you choose to invest into your thesis, right, is very focused on creating a better future. And I can see why you've been a winner of so many different awards. Like, I, I didn't expect that answer at all. I was expecting like, hey, like we're here, we're looking to the future, we're gonna invest into tech. But here you are, like everything you do is very intentional, right? And it shows me your character, who you are as a person, who you want to be, and your three pillars you, that you mentioned earlier about the person you want to be. And I'm really happy that you that you emphasize that you change some of your vocabulary, right? Because I think that yeah. growing up and especially like being an an I used to be a former athlete, but not any the professional level. Um, it's always the emphasis that you need to be strong and that you need to like quote unquote be a man and that this is yeah. how you should represent yourself. But I really yeah. like the software approach where you know what? Let's just be a good person. Right? Let's just yeah. be human. Let's just think with your heart instead of what society tells you that you should be. And that's powerful. Yep. yep. Right. I agree with you. Definitely. Um, so I guess for the last part of the podcast, I do want to talk about some of your accolades on the field. Right. I remember so Doug, just transparency, you were on my fantasy team in 2015, and I love you. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good year. That was a good year. Yeah, I especially love the time where you caught three touchdowns against the Steelers. And I was like, yes, I woke up to like hell of points from you. I was like, I love this dude, Doug. <laughs> so, yes, uh, I do want to talk a little more about your time in the field. Right. And I think that you had some really good quotes when you were doing some interviews. And one of the favorite quotes I heard from you was before I became a leader, I thought success was about building myself up. But then when I became a leader, I realized that the success is about building others up. That's such a team player quote, right? And I want to hear about your time as a professional football player. Like, what was, how did you push yourself on a daily basis? Like, I want people, especially the Asian American community, to understand what it takes to be a pro athlete. For us, I, I mean, obviously, for for the Asian community, because the, the lack of reputation inside pro sports, that we don't really take a deeper look into the, behind the lenses, Right. We kind of yeah. focus ourselves on like the money side, the business side, but I want people, especially the Asian community, to hear what it takes to become a pro athlete. And I want to take it all the way back to 2011, right? To and I saw an Argo saying that it hurt you a lot for not being drafted, but it gave you a chip on your shoulder and that you wanted to prove something. Walk me through that overall experience and what was going through your mind. What was like? That determining factor, like I'm not going to give up. I'm going to pursue my dreams, and eventually, you signed a pretty hefty deal in 2016, right? Yeah. So I want to yeah. hear all about that. Okay, so in 2011, um, the draft comes around, and uh, I wasn't selected. I remember exactly where I was. I was at a Mexican restaurant. I was sitting down, like watching the TV, waiting for that phone call. Um, and this was like this was the 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 last round, right? Like. I kind of figured I wasn't going to go in the higher rounds. Um, but I thought, you know, potentially I had an opportunity like, you know, sixth round, seventh round, maybe. Right. Um, I I remember, <laughs> I remember the last name being called. I don't even remember who the last person was, but I remember the last name being called. It wasn't me. And, you know, I was just, it, it hit me right then and there. I was like, now what, <laughs> you know, like, damn, like 
okay, I have been playing football my entire life. It's everything that I've been working towards. You know, I've focused, most of my focus was on football. And now I didn't get drafted. And it was during the lockout season or lockout year. So um, teams couldn't call you. They couldn't contact you. So, like, I was basically in limbo. Um, fortunately enough, right, I got a call from Seattle when the lockout lifted. And I signed with them and was able to go um, and have a fairly successful career, uh, I'd like to think. Um, but that was really challenging, too, right? Like, you you throw this young kid who has this vision and this dream of, you know, I didn't necessarily have a dream of like walking across the stage on draft day, but like just that celebration that, um, yeah, I guess that celebration of like, I made it to the NFL, right? I didn't have that. And so when I got the call and I got to, you know, I went to training camp for Seattle um, and there were no guarantees, nothing was promised to me. Like, yeah, I was here, but I was on a tryout and I had to actually make the team. I had to actually demonstrate that I was, you know, uh, worthy of being on this field. Uh, and so I just went in with the mindset that I had nothing to lose, right? Like there's, I'm, I'm here, like <laughs> I got, I really have nothing to lose. So I'm just going to throw everything I have at this and just, we'll see what happens. Um, I will say though, like football itself was a vehicle for me to express, um, the challenges that I had going on internally, right? Experiences that I had as a child, uh, wanting to be seen, wanting to be loved, like which most children like, look, you know, I'm not, my parents had their challenges, had their struggles. They were very loving. Right. But we all had our challenges. Um, th that was kind of my vehicle to express that. And so, you know, now looking back on it again, as a father through the lens of my children, I don't want my children to have that trauma and that internal motivation that drives them to success in whatever field. Right. I genuinely want them to just be passionate and joyful about whatever it is that they're interested in and let that be the driving force for them to have success in whatever they do, right? Um, so I'm understanding that now from this side. And so to answer your question, uh, what does it look like? Like it comes in many forms. It could be an unhealthy vehicle, which it was for me to some degree, or it can be um, something that truly brings you joy and connects you to a community. And that should be the driving force. That should be the ultimate motivator because not only is it more sustainable, right? Um, it takes less energy and less effort uh, and it's more impactful. Uh, and so I, you know, I'm grateful for the experience that I had in the NFL, uh, for all the lessons that I've learned. And I am also learning the lesson that I want uh, future, my future generations, my children to have the vehicle and motivation of joy and true passion that pushes them and propels them forward. Um, and, you know, even if they have that joy and that passion, it's still going to take a lot of hard work, right? As I've mentioned before, anything worth having doesn't come easy. And so, you know, my, my hope is that through all of my experiences, I demonstrate to my children the work ethic that is required to, um, to accomplish really hard goals, right? But pointing them in the direction to accomplish things that they are, that brings them joy. And, and that they're passionate about. Uh, and so, you know, yeah. at 35 years old, that's what I know now. It could be different five, 10 years from now, but you know, where I'm at at this stage in my life, that's my, that's where I'm at. So that's what I share. Yeah. I mean, when I speak to you, it's so zen, right? I feel like you had a lot of time to reflect and kind of think things through. 
and it's really well organized. I think it's true, right? I think just having a passion and just working really hard for it and being very enthusiastic every day is much more sustainable, right? Um, yeah. I, mean, I was reading an article on another athlete, and he's been very successful throughout his entire career. The one thing that really struck me was during the interview, he was like, what made me great was that I went in the field and I hated everybody. I hated, I wanted to, quote unquote, kill the other person. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you know, you know who we're talking about, right? Yeah. Because I want to win. And I never felt like that was sustainable, right? So the answer that you gave was like, focus on your own internal happiness and your own passion drives you further, right? Yeah. Because unfortunately, if you don't have a healthy way system internally to deal with certain things, it's going to get off balance when your life has shift to the different corner of a, of a different exactly. playing field. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I do appreciate that a lot. And it definitely shows like your maturity throughout this entire podcast of what you've been through and what you learned. Right. And to be honest, like, as you said, right, you have grown five years ago, 10 years ago, and so on. I feel like your answers throughout the years have been very consistent, where it's always been very humble. Everything you say is about the team, everything you say is about the community. Right. And now it's like, I realize that everything you say is about building a better future for not only for yourself, but for your kids. And I yeah. appreciate that. I really do. I, and I appreciate you saying that, but I want to, I want to interject there. So this is, this is the conundrum that I deal with every day. Um, you know, if I'm being honest, my faith tells me like this world will come to an end at some point. Right. And I think we all know that innately, right? Like this planet <laughs> at some point, it's not going to have, you know, maybe it's not going to have us as life forms on this planet at some point. Right. And so there was, there've been times where I've been like very um, in my thoughts about like, okay, if, you know, if it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, because the world's going to end one day, like what, like, what does it matter what I do? Right. And I think for me, what I've recognized is that um, I am, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate and blessed to just be breathing. Right. Like, life is a gift. And I really genuinely believe that. And if I believe that, then I have to treat life as such, which means that, you know, how I'm showing up in the world, how I'm raising my daughters, how I'm treating my wife, how I'm, you know, interacting with my friends, my family, my neighbors, like, I need to be uh, on a mission to leave, you know, the best impression, not even impression, the best, um, I don't even know what the right language is, but like, <laughs> leave like a good mark right like whatever whatever i touch whatever i'm a part of like i want to be i want it to be of integrity and of you know high standard and high regard and like really at the old at, at the end of the day demonstrating love and so regardless of you know what the future may hold i know that this time right now that i have i'm blessed with and i don't want to take that for granted and so i try really hard again, to lean on those values of being honest, being curious and forgiving to go through my day to day, be present as I possibly can um, and leave, you know, a, a positive awake of whatever. Uh, and so I appreciate you saying that, but I, you know, I want to be very, very clear about that because that, I think that's where I'm at right now. I'm in the middle of, you know, this tug and pull with like, you know, I want to do good in the world and I want the world to be better, but like, at same at the same time, sometimes the world's not better, right? And it's like really hard to see things that are going on in our world and being like, there's really nothing I can do about it. But I do feel like there's something I can do about my world, right? The my immediate world. And that is trying to be the best human being that I can so that when I'm 
when I'm in an environment, in a space, like I am contributing, contributing to it in a positive manner rather than pulling from it negatively. Yeah. And I think that talks about a really powerful point, right? I think for most people, when they think about the issues in the world, they want to solve all the issues. I think I strongly believe this too, but how you feel inside and how you reflect yourself, how you carry yourself creates a ripple effect around the world, right? And especially for someone like yourself, Doug, where you have probably millions of fans around the world watching you, reading up on you, following along on your journey, like just by carrying yourself in a proper way, like people or been inspired by that to be like, hey, I'm listening to this podcast. I've been watching his interviews. I want to be a good person too, right? And the effects that you see that that are, aren't tangible, you can't measure, are the ones that really do change the world. And yeah. I appreciate you saying that. I think so too. I think so too. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. So I guess uh, my final question, Doug, is, and I, I know we've been talking about this in our entire podcast, but what's next for you? Right. What does that Doug from 10 years from now look like to you? I'm pretty sure you thought about that. Right. And just what kind of advice do you have for like kids growing up in your daughter's generation? What do you want them to know? Yeah. Oh, man. Um. So five, 10 years from now, I don't know. I actually don't spend a lot of time thinking about that other than like, you know, there's there's short term goals that I'm trying to accomplish. Right. Like. I want to wake up early. I want to get better sleep at night. Right? Like, so those short-term things I'm really working towards. But when you zoom out and you ask me the question of like, what does five, 10 years look down from now? Like, I really don't know. <clears throat> My philosophy though, and I think this comes from the sports world too, you know, especially as a receiver, like you had to, you know, <clears throat> when you were on the middle of a play, whether you caught a touchdown pass or you dropped the ball, right. You had to be on to the next play so that the, that, previous play didn't affect your performance for the next play that is one lesson i feel that it that has been valuable for me in you know in totality um and so i try to apply that lesson to life as well so <clears throat> i'm not so much focused on what has happened in my past i'm not too much focused on what's going to happen in my future again i'm trying to be as present as i possibly can in the moment and leading with those values so that whatever questions life present to me you know, again, not saying that I have the right answer all the time, but if I lean lead with those values, my thought process is that I will have a better answer more times than not, right? And if I do that consistently day in and day out, um, when I look up five, 10 years from now, I will be in a better place than I could have predicted five, 10 years prior, right? Um, I genuinely believe that. My life has been a testament to that. Um, but it also is very humbling in, in the regard that like, you know, at least for me, it feels like there's a bigger picture, right? There's something larger, more powerful at play that really has nothing to do with me. Right. Um, I'm presented with the opportunity. I just have to choose the right, the right, you know, path, the direction to go while also maintaining that humility and that respect to look back and reflect on the decisions that I have made, um, and how to be better from those, um, you know, because I do have a responsibility to my children now and my wife, obviously. Um, but yeah, it's not really a, um, a, a, you know, a planning or thought process of what five, 10 years down the line looks like. It's really just a trying to be the best version of myself I can be in every present moment that I get. Thank it's, you, a, Doug. Like I said, it's a gift. Yeah. I appreciate that. I mean, thank you so much for, for sharing that. Right. It's believing in the moment, believing that you're creating 
the right mindset and structure now because that will ultimately shape who you will and what you want to become in 10 years from now, right? Great. Everything yep. now matters, guys. Everything now you think, everything now you do will compound years down the line, right? These little habits will add up. And that's powerful. Yep. But yeah, um, I mean, this was amazing podcast, right? I, I learned so much. Um, for listeners, I apologize at the very beginning. When Doug came on, I was very nervous. But throughout the throughout the entire podcast, I got a lot more comfortable. And I was like, hey, I'm just talking to a really cool human being, right? So I just want to say congratulations. Oh, sorry, <laughs> go ahead. No, I was just saying, I'm just a normal guy, man. Yeah. And I just want to say congratulations again, right, on the Asian Hall of Fame. And this award will, it means so much for our community, right? For for us to even look at you and look at other, uh, 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 look at the, the class of, you know, for the Asian Hall of Fame. It's like, when we look at you guys, it's like, wow, like you guys are the trailblazer of the, of the community, right? And it means so much to, to be, to be able to have you on the podcast really and to talk about your experience a lot more because this is powerful and compared to other podcasts that we typically have which is all about investing money and so on this is this is very spiritual in some ways so thank you so much of course i appreciate you having me man i really do of course thank you doug hey guys we hope you enjoyed this episode please subscribe to the show we would like to get to the top 10 on itunes so be sure to leave us a five-star review we release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much.